The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Please be seated. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6 today, verses 25 through 34, looking at the idea of anxiety. And uh, the beginning of this passage, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. If any one of you struggles with anxiety, you know that when you're in the middle of anxiety and someone says, don't be anxious, all that really does is make you mad and want to punch them in the mouth, right? You're like, look, don't tell me not to be anxious. I don't want to be anxious, obviously. Uh, I don't like being anxious. But So we're going to look today at how to fight anxiety in our life and see what Jesus has to say about that. But before we do, let's just kind of get an idea of what he means when he's talking about being anxious because uh, it's a really large subject and I think a lot of people experience Uh, A lot of varieties of anxiety. Some people are anxious about their health or they're anxious about this, that, and the other. So what is Jesus uh, speaking about? Well, I think it helps to look at Luke 10, verse 38, where Jesus uh, used the same word. And uh, this is the famous uh, scene where Martha and Mary are at Jesus' feet. And uh, Martha is taking care of everything. She's making sure the house is clean. She's doing the dishes. She's doing all this stuff. And she looks over and Mary's just chill at Jesus' feet. And she's like, really? And she's like, Jesus, tell her to get up and do something. And uh, that's, that's my version of it. But here's, here's how Luke puts it in 1038. Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And so in this scene, Jesus used the same word about saying Martha is anxious about serving, anxious about many things, so much so that it has distracted her from Jesus, where Mary has not allowed uh, the, the demands of life to distract her from being able to spend time with Jesus. And I think that's helpful to think about when Jesus is saying, therefore, do not be anxious. He's saying, do not be distracted, do not be so overly concerned about this life and the things of this world that you are distracted from Jesus. Another time that the word is used is the parable of the soils, where there's different gospel seeds in this parable are are being planted, and it says that one of them sprouted up, but the worries of the world choked it out, choked out the fruitfulness of the gospel. So I think that's, uh, when we look at the context of what we've been seeing recently, that's what Jesus is saying is, are you anxious about this life, this world, the things of this world, so much so that it has captured your heart, the treasures, has it captured your focus, uh, the two eyes that we saw last week, or has it, or have they become your master? Are you being mastered by the world and this life and the things of this world so much so that you are distracted from Jesus, distracted from the missions, distracted from what God has called you to do? And so that seems that if we look back in what Jesus has been saying, that those have been um, diagnoses of anxiety. What are you treasuring? What are you focused on? What is mastering you? Those are the things that become the root issue under our anxiousness. 
So Jesus is, is saying, don't be anxious about the things of this life. Instead, focus on me and my kingdom. So we're going to ask the Lord to help us do that this morning. Lord, would you speak to us this morning through your scriptures? Uh, Lord, I pray that those of us who uh, are consumed with life and, and Christmas and all the activities, uh, that we would be reminded today to, to be able to focus on you and your kingdom and not the lesser things of this world. I pray your spirit will minister to our hearts through the preaching of your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so Jesus is going to help us battle anxiety in verses 25 through 34 of Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I did all right the first service. I did a little bit of a coughing fit in the middle of service. We'll see if I can make it through today. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat and what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." So we see two things he's going to emphasize, faith and focus. Faith allows us to focus on the kingdom. And so we want to understand what he's saying. He begins in verse 24 saying, therefore do not be anxious. But then he goes down to this section, verse 30, oh, you of little faith. And so it seems to be that he's saying that having faith is what's going to reduce anxiety and allow us to focus on the things that he wants us to focus on. And the way he's going to in the verses between 24 and 30, he's going to ask a series of rapid-fire questions. Has anyone ever had to deal with someone in a panic attack before? Have you ever? I see some of you have. No one else has ever dealt with anybody with panic attack or anxiety. That's what happened. It is a series of rapid-fire questions and comments. Well, yeah, but that could happen, and this could happen. What about this? This could happen. You don't, you know, hey, you haven't thought about this, and don't tell me this. You know, it's like, whoa. Relax. So that was kind of comical as I was reading this. I was like, Jesus comes back with four rapid-fire questions that we're going to look at to think about how how to minister to our hearts so that we won't be so anxious. Now, I don't pretend to think that this is if you struggle with anxiety or or anxiousness, it's not like a little magic wand that's just going to all go away and you won't have anxiety anymore. But it is teaching us. Jesus is teaching us to feed our hearts and minds with faith. And that is how we combat the anxiousness in our hearts and in our minds. So let's look at these four questions. We're going to look at really uh, 
two points as we cluster these questions together. The first question comes in verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The obvious answer is implied here is yes, life is more than just food and clothing. But what he's getting at is he's saying that he's implied in here that that we are sometimes too obsessed, too focused on the things of this world. Our life is more than just the paycheck. Our life is more than just providing for our needs. Our life is more than just meeting, uh, making ends meet. Or perhaps if there's two, there's another way to think about this. Maybe it's not just making ends meet. Maybe it's, he's saying, our life is more than just the comforts of this world and worldly possessions. And I think that hits us all, especially at Christmas time when we're obsessed over all the the gifts and the Christmas lists and all the things. It's easy for us to become anxious over, over the things of this world. And what Jesus is saying is, He's lifting up our mind and our eyes to have a bigger perspective. He's saying, listen, there is more to life than just the things of this world. There is more to life than making ends meet. There's more to life than making a paycheck, paying your bills, going on a trip, and repeating that. He's saying, I have a greater purpose for your life than just making money. So Jesus is leading us to to gain his perspective on matters. Now we've said over and over, it's not that Jesus doesn't, it's not that we're not supposed to work. We are. God says in his word that we should work hard, that we should put forth, do everything that we do as unto the Lord, that we should save and be wise and make money to be able to provide for our families and be able to bless others. But what he's saying is, do not, do not belittle yourself to think that that's all there is to life is just making money. And making and buying things and saving and, and just your life shouldn't be consumed about your retirement account. There's nothing wrong with retirement, but you shouldn't be consumed by your retirement account. Jesus says, I have a much greater purpose for you in this life. So he's lifting up our eyes. Let me encourage you to ask yourself, what are you obsessing over? Because if we can identify the root of uh, of what we're, what's captured our heart, what we are treasuring, the, the metaphors he's been using have diagnosed our anxiety. That what, what are we treasuring in this life? What are our eyes focused on? What are we mastered by? And when, when we are mastered by the things of this world, it's going to produce anxiety in our life. So fill in the blanks. If I lost blank, life would not be worth living. If I didn't have blank, I I just couldn't be happy. If I didn't have blank, I I could never feel secure. In other words, I want to encourage us to look underneath and say, where are we finding our hope? Where are we finding our security? Where are we finding our satisfaction and our, our, our happiness? And Jesus is saying, those, if it's anything less than God then it's going to be an idol and those are going to lead to anxiety because they will never satisfy and we will always feel like it will not provide what we need. So Jesus is saying, is your life not more than these things? I have a greater purpose for your life than these things. 
Next three questions are lumped together. We're going to look at those together in verses 26 through 30. He says, are you not of more value than these? This is after speaking about the, the, uh, the birds of the air. And then he says, of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And then at the very bottom of verse, verse 30, he says, and will he not much more clothe you? So Jesus says, hey, listen, you see the birds? Look around nature. You see that the birds, that not one bird goes without. He's saying God provides for that bird. He says, look at the lilies of the field. He says, they're, they're clothed in all their splendor. He says, God provides for the, the lilies. He makes sure that they're watered so that they can bloom and be beautiful. He says, the argument is from lesser to greater. He says, if I provide for them, how much more will I provide for you? And so this is another issue of faith. Faith that battles anxiety is a faith that knows two things about God. A faith that knows that God is sovereign and that God is good. When we think about sovereignty, what does it mean for God to be sovereign? It means that God is the, like a king is sovereign over his kingdom. It means that he has the ultimate authority and power and reign and rule over that domain. God is sovereign as the creator of the universe. The scriptures make it clear that God created all things and he is in control and sustains all things. He is the one who sovereignly, the scripture says, makes sure that every bird is fed. As long as God's plan is for that life of that bird, that God makes sure that that bird gets what it needs every single day. He's sovereignly involved and and governs the affairs of all things according to his perfect will. God is sovereign over your life. Now, as we think about that, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to think about. It's hard to understand because you do work and you do provide and you do make a living and you do pay the bills. But in some mysterious way, the scripture says, the scripture is very clear that God is the one that is providing. Amen. God is the one that gave you the health to do that. God is the one that gave you the job and the opportunity and the success that God is the one that actually is making sure that every day your needs are being met. And so it's important for us to be released from, when we see God is sovereign, that means we're not sovereign. And to the extent that we think that we are sovereignly providing, we will have increased anxiety. But to the extent that we are able to re- let trust and believe that God is sovereign... And that, that our obedience of faith is the means through which God is providing, but ultimately it's God who is providing that releases us from having to be in control of all things. And that re- produces peace, and, and it helps us fight anxiety in our life. I, I remember uh, many years ago, there was an attorney in town who came to know the Lord, and I had the privilege of discipling him, and he was a very successful, made a lot of great money as an attorney, and I just remember in the discipleship process, just watching God change and, and, and just do a great transformation, one little thing after another in his life, but money and anxiety was a huge issue in his life. And I remember sitting there thinking, what are you worried about? My goodness, Look how much money you make. But what I realized is it was interesting how God showed me in that interaction with him that for him, the obedience, taking the step of obedience of tithing and, and giving to the ministries of the gospel, to the gospel ministries actually began to minister to him in the area of anxiety. As he learned to obey and tithe, though he was already very anxious about having enough money, 
He learned that God was going to take care of him. And there were days that as he gave, he was like, man, I don't, I don't know about this. And I'm like, just trust the Lord. And then he would get a big account or the Lord would provide. And it was not that it was, uh, I didn't teach him, hey, if you give God, he's going to bless you with a big account. It was just that God provided for his needs. And it gave him victory over anxiety about money. It was in measured steps. It was a little bit at a time. But he began to, began to grow in understanding the Lord is faithful. The Lord is sovereign. He is going to provide for all your needs. However many days that he is going to determine that you will be on this earth, he will make sure that you have all your needs met. So for us to fight anxiety, we have to have faith that God is sovereign and we're not. It's his kingdom, not our kingdom. But we also, it doesn't do us any good to know God is sovereign if we don't know that God is good. I mean, I don't care how sovereign he is. If he don't like me, that's not a good thing. But he's good. God loves you. God wants to provide for you. It's one thing to know he's sovereign. It's another thing to know he's good. In verse 26, Jesus reminds us that God is our heavenly father. Now, if you are blessed to have children, you know as a father... Or as a mother, how you take joy in providing for your children. There's lots of scriptures about this that says that, you know, when a child comes and asks for a piece of bread, what father would give him a snake? What father would give him a stone? A father takes joy in providing for his children. Well, if you are in Christ, by faith in Christ, you are adopted. You are God's child. You, you are loved as the supreme of all creation. He, he made the birds and he made the, the lilies. But when he made man and woman, he said, they are made in my image, that we are unique image bearers of God. There's a unique love that he has for his children. And he says, if I will provide for the birds and I will provide for the lilies, surely you know I will provide for you. I love you. Some people haven't had the best models of parents, and so they struggle believing God's love for them, believing that God values them, that God treasures them, and God takes joy in providing for them. But the scriptures feed our faith, teach us that God adopts us, God loves us in Christ, and he will provide for us. So as you struggle, think about these things and in Courage, faith in your heart. I mean, as you think about this argument from lesser to greater, I, I shared in the first service that think about what you would do for your pet. If you have a dog, in our case, this analogy breaks down because Dana and I are, I've already told our kids, if there's ever a very expensive vet bill, we're putting her down. I'm sorry. <laughs> but maybe I'll like your pets better. So think about what you'd do for your pets. I mean, you would make sure they get fed. You would take care of them. They, they, they have all their needs are met by you. you. You take care of them. But how much more will you take care of your children? I, I, will, I will spend my last dime to take care of my children. And that's the argument he's doing. He, he's saying, listen, you see in nature how I provide, but how much more do I love you? I will provide for you. I am sovereign, but I am good, and I love you, God says. These texts force us to ask, where do you place your hope? Where do you place your, your security? 
Where do you find peace and security? Who is it do you believe that ultimately is providing for you? As long as you think it is you providing for yourself with God's not really in the picture, you're, you're going to wrestle with anxiety. Jesus has been saying we must find our happiness, our peace of mind, our security only in him. And when we are anxious... I think it's helpful to repeat these questions to ourselves. Is God not my good and perfect loving Father? Does God not love me more than the birds that, that He cares for? Does God not love me more than the lilies of the field that He clothes in great splendor? Will God is God not able to provide for me? And is God not willing to provide for every one of my needs? And the answer is yes, 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 yes. As you battle with anxiousness, it's a journey of fighting it. But you, you fight it with feeding the faith in your heart with the truths of the scriptures. That God is sovereign and God is good and he will, he knows what you need and he will take care of you. And this faith, trusting that God knows and God cares and God will provide the more that we are able to have faith, the more we are able to move our focus. And that's where we go next in verse 31 through 34. Jesus wants our focus lifted up off the, the world and the things of, of the paycheck and the clothes and the retirement. He says, listen, that's all good, provide, but I want to lift your focus on something else. Listen to what he says in 31 and following. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? In other words, have faith. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows he is your heavenly Father. He knows that you need those things. But I want you to focus on this. Verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, just worry about today. Just take care of today. Focus on the kingdom and let me handle the rest. Many of us have memorized this, this Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But what does that exactly mean? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, the, the verb seek is a present indicative, which means it's an unceasing quest. D.A. Carson says it's an unceasing quest. So we are always never ceasing. We are in an unceasing quest for the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God and his righteousness? John Stott elaborates on what that means. When Jesus spoke of his kingdom the kingdom of God, he was not referring to a general sovereignty of God over nature, like we've been talking about, and over history. But the kingdom of God refers to that specific rule over his people, which he himself had inaugurated, and which begins in anybody's life when he has humbled himself, repents, believes, and submits, and is born again. So the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ ruling over his people in total blessing and total demand. To seek first the kingdom is to desire as of first importance the spread of the reign of Jesus Christ. 
So to seek first the kingdom of God is to have an unceasing quest to spread the reign of Jesus Christ, the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Starts with ourselves, Stott goes on to say. He says that such a desire will start with ourselves until every, I like the way he puts this, every single department of our life, our home, our marriage, our family, personal morality, professional life, business ethics, bank balance, tax returns, lifestyle, citizenship, until all of that is joyfully and freely submissive to Christ. So to unceasingly, an unceasing quest to bring every department of your life under the submission of Jesus Christ. That's a never-ending process, isn't it? I mean, you will constantly be having to find new areas, as, as I did when that disciple, that, that man, that, that attorney. It was just one step after another of saying, wow, look, at, look what God's going to do in him now. He's going to bring this under the reign and rule of Christ. And that's our life journey, is bringing the kingdom of God, his, his reign and his rule into every little area of our life, our money, our, our time, our possessions, our energy, our priorities, our 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 work priorities, our businesses, bringing every little piece of it under the the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. But then he says it doesn't stop there. Stott goes on to say it will continue in our immediate environment outside of us with the acceptance of the evangelistic responsibility toward our relatives, our colleagues, our neighbors, and our friends. And then it will also reach out in global concern for the missionary witness of the church. And so it starts in your life to, to... To have an unceasing quest for the kingdom of God means that you are unceasingly passionate about bringing every little aspect of your own personal life under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. And then you go out beyond yourself and your children and your workplace and your every area of your life and your neighborhood to bring them to know Jesus Christ and to submit to Jesus Christ. And then trips to South Sudan or wherever the Lord may lead, as the video encourages us, is that where is God leading me to extend the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And that's an unceasing quest until the day the Lord takes us home. And the Lord says, that's what I want you to focus on. I don't want you to, to be distracted by all the things of this world. I don't want you to think that your life, the sum total of your life, is, is your job and your paycheck and how much you can accumulate. He says, your life is not about those things. Your life is so much more than that. Leave that to me. I will make sure that your needs are met. But in everything that you do, be unceasingly obsessed and focused and treasured and mastered by the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This means that our focus and preoccupation of our lives will be much different than the people around us. It means that our our lifestyle will be very different. While the world is focused and preoccupied with earthly things and the things of this world, we will be possessed and, and preoccupied with, with the things of God. We'll be focused on the unceasing quest to live according to his reign and rule, to obey Jesus, every word that he has taught us. An unceasing quest to see others come to faith. An unceasing quest to raise children who love and trust and obey Jesus. We'll have an unceasing quest to reflect God's glory in our workplaces. We'll have an unceasing quest to treat people the way Jesus treats us with grace and mercy and kindness and patience and forgiveness. We'll be possessed to see our city experience the blessings of the just reign and rule of Jesus. 
We'll have an unceasing quest to see that every poor, hungry man, woman, and child is fed and clothed and warm and safe. An unceasing quest to see Jesus' honesty, integrity, and morality in our homes, in our church, our workplaces, in our city, in our government. An unceasing quest to see God worshipped in every tongue of every tribe of every nation so that in all that we say and all that we do, we are to be focused and mastered by this one dominant obsession that the kingdom of God and his righteousness is extending to the ends of the earth. Get our eyes off the world, off the things of this world. Let's get our eyes on the kingdom of God and let the Lord take care of everything else. Father God, we ask for your mercy and your grace. We need your help every day. We are tempted to be anxious about the lesser things, to be distracted by them, to be consumed by them, to to be focused on them, to to make... those things are priority and to lose sight of the kingdom. But Lord, work in our own hearts first. May we bring new areas of our life under your reign and rule. And Lord, may we be obsessed with extending the gospel of grace to others so they too can come to know you and enjoy you and be saved by your grace whether it's neighbors or nations, anywhere in between, Lord, may we be passionately committed to extending your grace and your love from neighbors to nations to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we trust that you're going to provide everything we need to do that. We trust that we're not going to be anxious. We're going to trust that you're going to provide for all that you want to provide so that we can be faithful to extend your kingdom to the ends of the earth. We pray that you'll get the glory in our lives as we do this. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.